Now, yesterday and today, our theater's been jammed with newspapermen and hundreds of photographers from all over the nation, and these veterans agree with me that the city never has witnessed the excitement stirred by these youngsters from Texas who call themselves Pass the Rock. Now, tonight, you're going to twice be entertained by them. Right now, and again in the second half of our show, ladies and gentlemen, this is Pass the Rock. Any uh, other trades to report? Or... This is past the But once Chitty Bang comes on, you know, it's the last like 30 seconds of the song. Just go ahead and get on to the next song and play it. Can we try Drake? Oh, I don't think so, no. What about Terrence? What about Terrence? You can have Terrence Raw. Terrence, you like it in Orlando. It's warm. You gotta run the ball to establish playoffs and not open up the passing game. Fuck are this analytics? The shit out of my face, nerd. There, there was a benching and a hot dog and cut every year for my high school basketball team. So I had to play for my church because uh, the church cannot cut you. They have to let you play. Maybe they could cut you. I don't know. You'd be pretty bad if they're like, look, we think you're good, but Jesus does not think you're that good. <laughs> He is our captain, so... Famously, Sunshine had that problem and remember that. It's just a man! What the rock is cooking! Coming live from three, count them three locations, this is Pass the Rock. I'm Patrick, and as always, I'm joined by two great men, Caesar, a.k.a. LCs. I noticed a lack of Michael Irvin in the intro. Well, you know, gotta gotta follow the uh, gotta follow the rules. And Jacob, aka Becky, it's gonna be tough to keep living up to these uh, intros because I like. Uh, I think we make a lot of good points, but I think out of context, me is just as useful as in context, <laughs> me. It's fun. I like doing it. Uh, yeah, and I'm just just slowly building up hours of incriminating audio so I can make my own AI Becky and Caesar and just do this show by myself. I worry about yeah. what AI version of me would end up. I don't think AI would understand my humor and then it would just turn me into an actual just, awful person. You would just be talking about basketball all the time. <laughs> God, I don't talking even know. Random trades that people made 20 years ago. <laughs> Like, hey, do you remember when Sagana Job got traded to the Dallas Mavericks? <laughs> uh, Job. Job was a funny one. He put out some productive games. He was fine. Just rotating big dudes in yeah, and out of places still at that time in the NBA. So you can't really blame everybody. There were some bad decisions made across the league that whole decade. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I guess- well. I was just going to say, there's wild week of trades. Um, we're going to get to Super Bowl that Caesar's going to help us with because he's, he's, got, he's got his boys there. Let's go! Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot here to start. <clears throat> if you guys want to jump right on in, Bethke, with uh, well, whatever you think is hot on the trade market. I if felt- you heard of anything, if anything broke... In the last day or so, yeah, no, there's there's been zero news. It's been really dry. Everyone's staying pat. 
no no decisions being made were completely out of moves um yeah no this whole thing blew up pretty quickly pretty fastly all not all last night i think it was about midnight or so just stayed up a little late otherwise probably 15 minutes sooner or later i would have been dead asleep and woken up to the news that kevin durant is a phoenix sun um i was going to say though before we got to that part mentioning that is the most important part we should probably start with respecting lebron the man got the the all-time points record did you guys tune in or did you just kind of see the highlights did you yeah i watched the highlights on that one yeah same here it was a very hilarious game that i think uh i would consider more more or less theater dude it's it's insane to stop with 10 seconds left in the quarter <laughs> you know i agree but also at the same time it was it wasn't that big a deal because you could tell the lakers as a general team, just we're not functioning as a team trying to win a basketball game. Like there was, it was just a lot. Like it was a de- trade deadline thing as much as it was the points record thing. Um, yeah. But it was just that that team was that team was not trying to hoop together that <laughs> night. And it was funny to watch. It was funny just to see LeBron say "fuck it" and just do what he did. And he wasn't wasn't too bad. It looked like he was going to get ugly actually at the start, and then he ended up just really hitting it and. Doing his thing, and then the funny part is, I think he only scored two points after he broke the record, and then they just got smacked in the fourth quarter, and he was basically just like, "Yo, can I yeah. get the club? <laughs> like, y'all got the trade stuff working right? Cool, I'm out. Bring me a new squad next time I come out here." He's <laughs> also not playing tonight. He told Anthony Davis, he was like, "You know what? I saw those videos. I saw I saw that you were smiling and happy when I made that shot. You're gonna take the B team and play Milwaukee tonight." I'm going to rest my foot and wait for the new guys to come. Oh, I love LeBron. And that's not a diss. I, don't, I guess we haven't established enough air credibility for people to understand how much I love LeBron in reality. Uh, but I'm going to be hard on it, and I'm, I'm going to bust his balls. Yeah, at least you're not coming in here like Stephen A. Smith. I'm like, he had the unmitigated goal. <laughs> Appreciate it. Maybe that would help the ratings if we did. You know, Stephen A's got that lane. Um, I I don't give a crap. Like, there's a lot. I watch a lot of meaningless NBA regular season basketball, and everyone just gets upset about the little things that happen here and there. And I see, like, this whole like, if you're mad about that, like, there's been so many Laker games this season where LeBron has kind of played like this, and or Anthony Davis has played like this, and kind of it's been obvious that they needed to make a move or whatever. So it's just like. A lot of times, whenever those overreactions happen, it's like, well, this is kind of not that unusual. It's the Lakers, it's LeBron, everyone was there. Like, this man yeah, thank, God, thank God Shannon Sharp was there. This man had to score 36 points to break the record. And he, like, that was the best part, is this man, like, I knew that there was no way the Lakers were winning the game when it started off with this everybody in town. Everyone is there. Like, I was like, no, this is, this is an all-star game. I was like, I was like this. They, I was like, I was like, no, this is so over. Um, but Russell Westbrook did have a good game. His last Laker game was was pretty funny one to remember. Yeah, um, got to build that trade value. Well, I mean, he's got to he's got to figure out his next path. We'll get to that one in a second. Um, but uh, any last thing on LeBron doing that? No, it's incredible. I I did I enjoy know. the uh, the exchange between him and Kareem. 
At least they, at least they, like, I just like to see the acknowledgement of like, all right, you, you did it. You, you passed this, what I, I guess for years felt like an, un, an unbreakable record. Yeah. I, I heard uh, Emmett Smith this morning talking about that. And he was, he's saying how much he hopes he gets to do that for somebody. Uh, Cause he's pretty oh. sad that he didn't get to have that uh, when he passed. Uh, was it Walter Payton? Right, yeah. right, right. Damn. Oh man. That, that one's going to be tough, man. Good guy, Emmett. Dude, he's yeah. he's incredible. Yeah, that, um, that one's gonna be like probably the the next toughest one, and at least yeah. in football, <laughs> I, was right? say, I was like, I don't, I don't know if that was gonna happen for Emmett, but yeah, man. Hopefully. If Frank Gore sure. didn't do it, then <laughs> yeah, like it's just no one, else, no one else has played that much. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like any dude is physically capable of it, and the <laughs> offenses just aren't that anymore. Yeah, that's another aspect of it. But who knows? Maybe a quarterback will eventually do it. They'll just play 30 years and be a mobile quarterback. (laughs) Mechanical Uh legs or something. Who knows? Um, Anyway. When does Oscar Pistorius get out? Oh. Oh, shit. Is that a a timely and topical joke? Damn, I don't even remember when that happened, but that's got to be a decade now. Uh, Definitely TV wasn't as HD back then. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, that was only a non-trade deadline point I wanted to get across. I don't think anything else really matters in the NBA world. Um, No, and yeah, for sure, I definitely dropped the ball or whatever, so to speak, not putting anything about that in the intro. Uh, I got, got, like I mentioned earlier, I got way caught up in F5 season. Not that big a deal because, like, I mean, it's 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 a big deal. Um, I don't think it's ever changing a goat conversation necessarily. I think it's more interesting to think about what the end game is going to be for him. What that number is going to look like for sure. It's just worth definitely worth mention. You know, it's definitely worth noting. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that happened. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I'm sorry I left that out. I watched yeah, the clip nice. and remembered. I watched a clip I said on the toilet and I was like, I need to put this in the intro. <clears throat> and that was like two or two days ago. Yeah. Yeah. And then today happened and last night happened. It's fine. Uh, I think enough people did enough praising of LeBron and hopefully we'll do. Fair. Hopefully when we talk about his team in a little bit, there's reason for us to have hope again to want to watch the purple and gold. Um, but before we get to that, they were not the, the winners or the most notable team of the deadline, even though they tried. Um, I did want to start with one question or one thing to, to get us into the flow here. I'm going to list off a bunch of players who were traded today, and I want you guys to tell me what they all have in common. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dwayne Dedman, D'Angelo uh, Russell, TJ Warren, Jakob Bodel, Justin Jackson, George Hill, Eric Gordon, John Wall. Bruno Fernando, and last but not least, Gary Payton the second. Man, the way you were starting, I was gonna say, "Oh yeah, they're all former Nets." Uh, yeah, that's where I, that's where I thought it was going too. It was a good mislead. It wasn't intentional. Uh, Take the credit, dude. I, I don't Fair know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, are they all? Yeah, I don't even know. It's... They all, in some way, even though some of these people are going to be bought out, and we'll preview that at the very end, they all have returned to the places they once played in this trade. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. 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 Now, all unions. All of those are reunions. So I thought that was a funny thing. I don't know how often that actually happens. I don't know if in the wide, wide world of basketball, 
um, coverage. Someone's already broken that down since the deadline ended, but that no, that was notable to me. I, it just kept happening too. I was just like, "Am I going crazy? Am I just noticing something?" So yeah, yeah. I think that's I, just <clears throat> the nature of the game nowadays. Is a lot of guys are going to be in a lot of places. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely some journeymen, and there's some funny ones like this. Will technically be the second time the Rockets have bought John Wall out. Um, that's, I mean, that's admittedly pretty funny. Uh, no, that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, trading back just to get rid of you. Yeah, really. Um, trading um, for Leonard and then getting him back with another first round pick is an interesting thing. I don't. We'll litigate that a little bit later. But like, there's some there's some funny ones. D'Angelo uh, Russell obviously is a funny one. So either way, we'll get to those in length in a second. Just wanted to tie those together because it was funny to me. Um, we'll get back to the team that matters the most here, the Phoenix Suns. Um, so the Phoenix Suns landed Kevin Durant and TJ Warren, which is not just a throw-in player by uh, any means. Um, Brooklyn gets Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, a 23, 25, 27, 29 um, unprotected first-round picks. And then 2,028, they have the rights to swap. That's a I love big old package. Um, it comes in just under, well, actually kind of considerably under the Gobert deal, which makes it funny as hell, but that's not because this deal is not good enough. That is obviously because that was the dumbest fucking deal in the history of basketball, probably. Yeah. So now the Kevin Durant sons um, are coming to, coming, coming to town. How did you guys feel about that news? Immediately, immediately reigniting that classic Phoenix Dallas rivalry that was starting to brew, and then looked like Dallas put him to bed, and then now they got Kevin Durant. So, yeah, I mean, I was ready to, I was ready to start picking and moving pieces around for Phoenix to try to rebuild around Booker already in my head. You know, to be honest, um, it felt like a lot of things were just not right there. But who knows? Who knows what Kevin does? But. No, nah, Kevin's going to, I think that's such a good fit. I mean, health is always going to be an issue for him. But man, talk, talk about the load off that he gets. Like, this is so much different than what he's been doing with the Nets. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. this is, this is going to flow really well for him. Like, this team is so deep, too. So, uh, Caesar, I wanted to start, stop and let you get any comments in. I was going to read off their eight man rotation after that. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm actually really interested in, in, in hearing more about i guess both teams going for you know with the suns especially because it just feels like all right yes that's a that's a big win for them in terms of getting kevin durant and like you said tj warren he's gonna be he's gonna fill a nice role for them but it, just seeing how much they have left the roster i'm just like all right well what's still on there and how many players can they feasibly play in the playoffs well, that's, that's actually why i do this exercise that's why it's something i in the future, even want to get better at doing is keeping up with my own personal playoff rotations for every team, even if I do them way too early, like in the preseason. It's just a good way of thinking about what's the most important thing to these teams. Who are these guys when they need them in the playoffs? Even I don't even care. Even if it's the the Houston Rockets this year, I want to theoretically think about what eight men they would need if they were to make the playoffs, which obviously they would. Um, I do love imagining you just got a big whiteboard, like. 
I was I was gonna go for something a little more crafty, like you know those people who build like wooden versions of like the MLB standings and just like yeah. move them around in their house. But for everyone's playoff rotation, that's a bit extreme. So I'm thinking a giant whiteboard would be cool. Yeah, exactly. Until I look like Charlie Day halfway through the season from It's Always Sunny, just maniacally thinking about what rotation player can be put on another team to be in their eight and who needs more. Um, but it is important. I mean, it's it's just the the te- in terms of depth, it's important. Obviously, um, if you top in talent, there's always different. It's not perfect way to like actually know who's good or bad necessarily. It's just a better way to qualify how deep a team is for me. Um, so anyway, there are eight guys, uh, at least who I think right now would be in their eight man rotation. Obviously, Durant, Booker, Aiton, Chris Paul. Um, I'm not sure. Kind of was peeking onto the beat writers to see what they thought. Looks like Tory Craig would be the um, would be the um, the four for this team, um, or maybe the three. Kevin's the four. However, they want to roll. Um, that would be he would be in the five, and then they would have uh, Damian Lee, T.J. Warren, and Campaign coming off the bench primarily. There, I think Campaign will end up being healthy, playing well. He's been in their system for a few years now, even if he hasn't played the best. I think they'll trust him. Um, but this gets me to the next thing that I wanted to add. Phoenix didn't just make the one trade. They did add a little bit of interesting depth. Phoenix got Darius Baisley, and all they gave up was Dario Saric and a second-round pick. Uh, I didn't have the information on what kind of second-round pick, and I don't, frankly, give a shit. Um, I mean, second, allegedly. Sometimes these aren't even real picks. It's ridiculous. What does that mean? I've seen people say that. What does that mean? Well, sometimes they're like protected or they, they come in and they're like, like literally they, they can just put like language in these deals. Like sometimes you'll, especially at the draft, you'll see people get traded for basically nothing. And then like some of these picks are just getting sold off anyway or forfeited or whatever. It's, it's a very chaotic business. And it's all because I think of how the contracts are structured. So it's easier to just sign somebody as an undrafted free agent than draft them as a second overall or in the second round. So it's just goofy. But what happens to the actual pick? Do people just pass on their picks? Um, I think they just eventually will find somebody to sell them to. Um, because event, like every, like I don't think there's been too many. I mean, obviously, there's someone's still got to be getting year. picked, right? Yes, I still, I still don't think, I don't think there's ever been a, or too many forfeited picks. I think the only forfeited picks we've had is because of the tampering stuff. Um. But yeah, so they'll still draft somebody, but they won't like maybe they'll draft them just so they can retain their rights in the G League or something like they're not they're not serious about it. And you can tell some teams are getting really smart about it. Like the Lakers have continuously just gone to the undrafted free agent pool. And it's like we can just keep cranking out like six, seventh guys on the bench that are useful and they're cheap for a couple of years. And then we got to do something with them or, you know, we got to share and get off the pot with them. And that becomes a different thing. Um, but yeah, so they, they moved on. Dario Saric, who I thought was honestly could have been useful for them too, um, and, and might honestly be pretty useful in Oklahoma City, depending on how they want to do things and how much they're going to actually contend as this starts to, um, this last six weeks of basketball plays out. Um, but Darius Baisley is a really interesting athletic wing. Um, I think he could be a really good piece to their defensive roster. Um and honestly kind of sliding into to take over campaign minutes, depending And these minutes, especially when it's the eighth player, seventh, eighth player in rotation. It could be other guys, uh, Landry Shamit, Bismack Biombo, Josh Akogi, Akogi, 
um, Jock Landell, Ishwain Wright. They've all, because of injuries this season, Phoenix had to play all those dudes heavy. And they all kind of are decent plays in different ways. I would say probably Jock Landale is the most unlikely to play, but still they've been using him quite a bit as a big uh, rotationally. So it's a deep enough roster where, like, because you have four great players, or, you know, usually great players, I guess Aiton is it's, Aiton's an interesting one, and Chris Paul's an interesting one for how, older, how much older he is. Um, I think this team is as deep. I think they're the best team in basketball now. Like I don't want to get on paper probably, but I I would also say on paper the Nets should have maybe been the best team in basketball. It just never actually worked. But that's a whole different thing because of Kyrie. And that's also about roster stacking. And and maybe Ben Simmons. I don't really understand what Ben Simmons is. He's an enigma. Right, right. Um, Well, and it It might just be that he's not that good. Well, I think that his future is probably different from what we thought it was going to be. And yeah. have proof that it was going to be so that's why it's harder for us to understand what's going on. And it's yeah. fine. Maybe he'll ascend back to being an all defensive player again, which is all anybody's asking of him. And to like learn maybe how to shoot decently free throws. Like it's you know it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it has to be that hard. Um, not looking at the basket's not awesome. Uh, there's a lot of wild stuff. Uh, I feel like every time someone shows a picture of uh, him passing over Trey Young in the playoff game, that they Photoshop Trey Young to be a little bit smaller than he was than he is every time, <laughs> just to fuck with me. <laughs> I don't know because it's always just every time I see that picture, I'm just like every single Kyler Murray meme. <laughs> oh, sorry, but yeah, yes, every single Kyler Murray anything. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I think Phoenix is the best team in basketball on paper here. I think they have the most people to utilize. Um, I think that once we get into the other contenders and what they did, um, yeah, I'll kind of show you why I feel that way, because I think there was a lot of teams that did marginal things or didn't offer enough up to um, to probably land the player that they should have landed in order to win the arms race. Um, but then again, when a team that's pretty good doesn't trade any of their really good players for arguably the best player in basketball, that's a hard thing to to beat. I mean, yeah, do you think the Mavericks just didn't have anything to offer for KD? Yeah, but, you know, they didn't have they didn't have the means to get to him right now because the yeah, to do uh, to do all those first round picks like that, they would have had to have been in the off season, and even then, I don't know if they could match. Essentially, five first-round picks, four completely unprotected. Um, I think it also is an interesting conversation to talk about when it comes to Brooklyn here. And we'll use Brooklyn to transition into Dallas, who was my next team anyway. I don't really know what the hell you do in Brooklyn right now. Um, there were yeah, rumors. that's such a confusing situation. Well, there was rumors that they would end up um, making a run at Zach Levine, maybe. Because essentially, you don't have the ability to tank. You you know all of your picks are in Houston, and and you have a lot of picks, but they're not yours, and their value is going to be all over the place. So it only makes sense to spend those quickly and try to make a competent basketball roster, even if it's only like a seventh seed. Um, they didn't really do that though. At least not. I don't think they did. So Jay Crowder, they moved. They didn't keep Jay Crowder, but otherwise they have just a hilarious <laughs> amount of wings. Uh, did you see the funniest stat about Jay Crowder today? No, what? 
Oh god! Oh god! Oh, he uh, bit his finger to shoot off his hand or something like that. What no, said. I'm I'm interested in whatever that is though. At <laughs> once? Yeah, he said something really weird on Twitter. Oh, oh this is gonna be tough to find. Uh, you should probably continue, and then I'll interrupt you again when I find it. Honestly, speaking of Brooklyn's taking care of the Bulls tonight, a team who didn't do anything, um, and that's probably about as much as we're really going to talk about the Bulls because they chose to completely stand pat, and uh, that was an interesting choice. Very interesting choice for them. We'll see how it pays off. Oh, I, uh, I found it. It's uh, He said, cut off my finger to save my hand, 99 back again. Okay, well. Whatever You're that is. Buck. Um, that's not a bad place to be right now. So good for him, no, I guess. No, no, and and we'll have a little bit more to jump on with with uh, Clam Chowder Crowder. Oh, here we go. Jay Crowder has now been traded for LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> what? How is he traded for LeBron James? Uh, would that be? Uh, with the heat. What? No. Uh, he was. He was a mat. Wait. Well, let's look I don't at think his career. For I don't think Le- LeBron's only been traded as sign and trade from Cleveland to Miami. Yeah, and he's part of that that trade. But that was in two thousand. He he's a draft pick. Is what my guess. Oh. Yeah, there it is. He was a draft, but he was he draft pick from right? that trade. Yeah, he was drafted oh. by the Mavs in two thousand twelve. But he, but that's how he got there. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Oh, but he was selected by the Cavaliers. Yeah, because of the stupid way that the NBA handles trading draft picks. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, the more you know. Um, uh, anyway. I just thought that was a pretty funny stat. Jay yeah. Crowder is also kind of weird to me because, like, sometimes I'm like, man, he'd be really useful on a good team, and sometimes I'm like, I don't think he's that good. <laughs> Yeah, he's got a lot of fake tough guy in him, and I I don't particularly enjoy fake tough guys because they're just sort of not like the problem with fake tough guys is is they they usually don't know how to not do too much because it's kind of in their nature, you know. Like it's fun to have a fake tough guy. They're sometimes useful in basketball, but then like you have your Dylan Brookses with the overconfidence and shooting. You have your Jay Crowders who feel like they got to taunt the best players in basketball as they're getting torched by them. It, it's just it's just one of those things where it's like, bro, like you're you're doing the you're the grinder. You're doing the grinder's work like I'm not saying you can't talk smack. It's just like it's not going to look as good when you do it. Yeah, and I guess it's just like uh, kind of like how you just want to fall in love with like spare rangers. I just kind of do the same thing with spare Spare stars and Mavericks also. And and honestly, you know, I think that that's a good, um, I think Clam Chowder Crowder is going to be a good one for, for, uh, for the Bucks. I mean, they, they're really good. They, they look really, really fucking good with Chris Middleton and Giannis back. Um, so they've, they've just been running people down. Um, he only makes them better. He only makes them a little deeper. It gives them more options too. Cause if he sucks, they can also just pull maybe old Joel Ingles off the bench or trust your, their young player in Marjan Beauchamp a little bit more than they usually would, or maybe usually would. So like, they don't even really have to rely on him to be a slam dunk necessarily. They just throw him into a rotation of guys that are really useful. Cause like they may even dust off Wesley Matthews's old ass for this playoff run. Um, 
But anyway, they need tough physical defenders, so I do think he'll end up getting run. If not, maybe being a starter? I don't know. I have to look at it. I didn't write their eight-man down, so I didn't really think that that was a big enough, one of my bigger sure. moves. Um, yeah, fair. But um, it w- might as well have just gone through with that one now. We don't have to bring it up later. Um, that pick, well, that was just five picks there. Um, I don't think there's anything goofy or missing that matters. Um, the five, the five second round picks is goofy. Well, the picks are like, there was seven total draft picks involved or second rounders involved in that trade. I think. Um, uh, Indiana got Jordan Noir, which basically this is Jordan Noir's chance to either make it in the NBA or start scouting overseas teams that need him because he's kind of good too. Like he should be playing high level basketball somewhere, but he just may not be NBA good. So probably probably stick that he's going to start looking at Tel Aviv and looking at Greece a little bit um, if he's not doing well enough in Indy. Uh, Serge Ibaka probably going to get cut. Um, I was surprised to hear he's still playing basketball. Honestly, I, I you'll, and you'll be surprised to hear that he's a Dallas Maverick soon. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm just being ridiculous. I, I don't know. I think actually, that would not be that surprising. <laughs> I think so I think if I'm if I'm a Mavs fan, I'm rooting for Nerlens Noel probably of all the list of guys that are available. Is Taco um, Fall still out there? Yeah, you could. I, I don't. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think that's the way I would go. But sure, you could bring Taco Fall off the couch, dude. Yeah, dude, you just, just want Taco another... Fall stand stand in the paint, just move out every once in a while so you don't get the foul. You just want to Sanam Singh? Is is that is that right? <laughs> no, you. He's, he's he's forty feet tall. It's awesome. Just stick him under the basket. What what can go wrong? I don't understand why it doesn't work. Because <laughs> as soon as somebody starts pushing the tempo, <laughs> the court. But it's it's a Luka led team. The tempo is never going to be pushed. So uh, we'll see how it goes with Kyrie. Oh, I didn't say the Mavericks are going to push tempo. I said the other team going to push tempo. Fair, fair enough. You're going to be playing four on five defense with Luka as one of the four. <laughs> oh shit! And Kyrie is another four. Anyway, but so I guess that's the tease. Uh, the first trade that really blew everything up. No offense to Rui Hachimura and the Lakers. There, uh, Kyrie Irving becoming a Dallas Maverick um, shouldn't be anything we delay talking about any further because we're all we're all from here. We all are either afflicted directly by the Dallas Mavericks or indirectly by those that we love. Um, Kyrie Irving is a big get. Um, this is one of my favorite players of all time. Um, I've modeled a lot of my own personal stuff after him. I think he's one of the most brilliant basketball players that's ever played. He's also a handful as a personality and what he's into and how he feels about things and how much he's willing to talk about those things and um, research he's willing to do about those things. He's he's a he's a free spirit for sure, um, and I think he's also a great humanitarian and a really awesome human being, and that should be on the record as well. It just is what it is. You're allowed to be a person in this world and have nuance, and Kyrie Irving is full of nuance, is how I put it. Um, and uh, and so I think it's an awesome move for the Mavericks. Um, let's let's get to the boring shit first, and then we'll talk opinion. Um, Brooklyn got Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, I think that one's fair. Uh, basically just had to do that one. It would have been cool to keep Spencer, obviously, but, you know, salaries after the match. Brooklyn needed something logical. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith was the next piece. That was also um, probably as 
valuables of asset as uh, Dallas really had, even beyond their first-round pick, in my opinion. Um, and then there was an unprotected 29 first-round pick, I believe, um, and then two uh, second-round picks in 27 and 29. Uh, also, Marquise Morris is a Dallas Maverick, as well as Kyrie Irving, for what it's worth. Is he going to be? Yeah, actually, I think he could. Um, we'll see if he gets... I mean, it's also easy to cut him if, if they do want to bring in somebody in the buyout market. Um, but I think Keith would actually kind of work for the Mavericks if, if they wanted to just give that a run before they cut him. I would probably do that. Because uh, the last we've seen of Marquise Morris, he's not too bad as just kind of stand there and catch and shoot for a few minutes and play reasonable defense at the four. Um, probably wouldn't go small ball five with him like some teams have tried, but, you know, whatever you're feeling is you're feeling crazy, go for it. But, um, I feel like there's some minutes there, especially in the regular season. As far as the playoffs yeah. go, I don't know. And especially with Mark, uh, you know, Maxi Kleba still not being healthy. So I just feel like it. He'll fill a spot. Davis Batons has a better, has a more, has more uh, financial reason for him to be on the court. Uh, but I really don't know if there's a ton of difference between the two of those guys. Uh, I think Batons gets hotter, and that's about the only difference. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, that's an interesting trade for a couple of reasons. Um, I want to start with the I want to start with how it affects the Lakers to piss off Mavericks fans and continue the ESPN propaganda machine. Um, but only because I think it's an interesting point. Well, they're all cowboy fans too, so they can true. They can um, profan- profanity lace response. Fair, fair. I, honestly, I'm just messing around. I just think it's an interesting <laughs> angle because when I when the deal was first announced, I was like, yeah, okay, Spencer, Dorian, and then assets to get more players is going to keep Van Durant. I agree. That's better than basically just taking the Lakers' poo-poo platter and, and then stealing all their draft assets, essentially, which is what it would have had to happen. I thought that would have been smarter. And because you're essentially, you're like, okay, LA, you want to continue to star load. You want to continue to stack your roster with stars and think that that's going to, think it's going to work out playing six guys and three of them not being that good. You think that's going to work out for you? Cool. We're going to take all your draft equity and hopefully that works out. I thought that was the right move. um, When I thought that if there's a possibility, Kevin will leave. So now that Kevin has left, I guess I pose you to you guys the question, do you feel like Brooklyn took the wrong package? Or was it always the right package because they needed to do whatever they could to save KD, even if it was an unsalvageable relationship? I mean, I think they're lucky to have what they have coming out of all that. That's fair. I mean, it probably could have been better, but like they, they got out of it with... Yeah. Like, like if you just if you look at it from like a let's just not look at it from like the perspective of what's happened, right? But just like a like a video game perspective, on paper perspective, right? You look at it and you see what they got, and you're like, no, yeah, they definitely should have gotten more. And but then you add the the elements that of the tenure that that's occurred throughout what since how long was he there for? Since we were only there about three seasons, twenty twenty. Yeah, so since 2020, right? So from the moment that he joined the team to now, and everything that's come with it, like, yeah, no, I can see why they didn't get as much as they, they should for a, for a player of that talent. But I also understand why they made the move, because it's just like, you know what? You why have did you to let him hold you hostage, yeah. Exactly. 
But I agree. Um, and, and honestly, and as I say, I think it's my opinion that that Lakers package is better. I think there's plenty of people that could argue that there's different packages that are better. I don't know if the Phoenix package, people have said the Phoenix package was best. I feel like the Dallas package or the Laker package was the best because you're either betting on retaining two useful players for Kevin Durant and still getting assets, or you're banking on the Lakers not playing the cap right again, which we've just seen them tank two seasons worth of because they didn't do it right the first time, or this, you know, they played with this, the fire the last time. And you have a flight risk of LeBron. Like, I think that it was a little bit more, well, like, smart in, if you're in the rebuild mindset to do that. But then they necessarily, when they had to make that move, weren't in that mindset. They probably still thought they had a really good chance of retaining Kevin Durant, and the reality is that they weren't. Um, it's also important to note, uh, and I didn't mention this earlier, um, reporting came out that Matt Ishiba, the new owner of the Phoenix Suns, was the one who ended up pushing this over the finish line. Um, that he was the one who basically, the, this, the, the, the framework for this trade that we just saw had already been in place in the summer. It was not done because there was reluctancy for however many reasons. Who knows? Obviously, the Sarver ownership change was probably a big reason. Um, either way, he comes in, he makes the Godfather offer. All of a sudden, now Phoenix has, or Brooklyn has no choice but to accept that offer. And to be fair, they basically play the same game they would with the Lakers while getting more picks out of it anyway. So it's really not like they've got nothing. Like, they did pretty well. I do think they did pretty well all in all. Yeah, it's I just so. it's just a hard pill to swallow. But there was never going to be you, that. There's yeah, there's no good way to lose two of the top ten players in the world. So anyway, that was my little angle about it. And yes, it was about the Lakers. So I wanted to just tease Mavs fans a little bit uh, before we got into the Dallas aspect of this. Um, the Dallas That's aspect of what's happening with Stars fans this week. So yes, yes. Well, you know what? Don't say the magic word, and you don't have to see the magic hands. Um, but anyway, uh, so the Dallas Mavericks uh, make a pretty good trade here. I've got to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't have much issue with it. Dorian Finney-Smith is a beloved fan favorite. Um, it's a guy I think I've been, I've been yelling for years. I was like, this is useful. This is useful. There's been so much garbage on this team. Um, you know, this is prior to Luca. Um, I'm like, this is this is so much garbage on this team. This guy looks like a basketball player. I don't know where the hell you got him. Keep this guy. <laughs> um, and then he's blossomed blossomed into a hell of a player, and and he'll probably be around for a while. Um, so uh, that was tough to give up there. The 29 first, I don't really give a shit about. To be frank, I don't worry about Luca leaving as much as everyone else does. Grader. Yeah, and I just don't. I don't. I don't worry about Luca leaving the same way as Mavs fans do, and it's not just because I'm not a Mavs fan. It's it's more of I look at it like, hey, this there's just not a lot of motivation or reason here yet. Like the league isn't exactly set up to just jump and jump. I know that Durant just did it. I don't think that Luca's going to need to, or it's going to be as fruitful or as useful. Like I think he can just control the Mavericks. And, yeah, and uh, potentially like. It, we something we don't think about, you know. We think about how Europeans might be different in the style of their play. We don't also think about how they might just, you know, view life a little bit differently and what they value and where they want to 
you know, how they want to do their do their stuff. So he might just really like it here and just be like, yeah, it's cool. True. And I think another thing that a math fans fear is like, oh, he's seeing that the math, the front office isn't doing anything. They're, they aren't doing anything for him. Well, look, they just went and got Kyrie Irving, right? Like, like you said, and they went and got KP too. Like, it's not like they hadn't tried before. Yeah. Like, it, they're clearly showing to, to him, like, hey, we will do whatever it takes to surround you with talent that we think can push you and this team further into the playoffs and hopefully into title contention. So there's less to be worried about than Mavs fans have in their head currently. Yeah. And they got Kyrie at the perfect time to grab Kyrie probably where he's going to give you at least through the end of this playoff run unless something weird happens, which and, who knows. And at least through this playoffs, note, he's going to give you everything he's got, I think. And the most important note, and one that has also been turned into propaganda by ESPN that the Mavs fans are mad at. Um. If Kyrie Irving does decide that he wants to play for the Lakers or if he wants to join Kevin Durant back with the Suns uh, because the bird rights situation, the Mavericks should be able to retain him uh, or retain something back for him. Um, so say Phoenix doesn't go the way they wanted it to, cool. Let's send you um, Aiton, maybe Chris Paul. I don't know what the money's like. We'll send you whatever. Probably Aiton is probably the probably really the center of the package and we're going to rebuild it. We're going to retool our roster a little bit this way. Um, and we want Kyrie. Um, maybe he wants to really, really badly wants to go to LA and he wants to play with LeBron. Fine. Well, the Lakers just got some nice little young pieces on that trade, but we're going to talk about in a bit. Now, a couple of those guys can be a Maverick and now you can get that 29 Lakers pick uh, from whenever we're all, and you'll, and by that point you'd be able to take their draft pick for this year as well, and you'd be able to have a little bit of uh, equity there. Um, and like I just made the case, you know, equity. I don't know that I wouldn't be afraid to want to buy into for the post LeBron years. Um, so it's not. I really don't hate it. I really don't think there's a Rajon Rondo just ending of this. Um, hopefully, I didn't jinx it because. It still breaks my heart how much this city, my city, hates uh, my one, my favorite player. But it is what it is. Um, Kyrie being definitely very close to Rondo in my heart. Um, I don't want that same thing to happen. And honestly, if anything, this is the best thing that could happen for me to start getting a little softer on the Mavs is to have somebody I just have watched this kid play basketball just relentlessly since. Um, fuck, when did we first come into the Kyrie? I guess it was 2010. Because he's my age. Was it Duke? Duke in ten? Yeah, he was. He was Duke when I, he was Duke for 2010-11. Um, because he's my age. I know that. I know that we uh the class of 2010, buddy. Buddy, here we are. Damn, I forgot that he's 30. Uh, Duke, yeah, 2011. Yeah. Almost huh. 31 soon. Um, but yeah. So anyway, I'm really excited about it. Um, I think the offense is going to be fucking awesome. It was cool to watch him deadlift the team or play the Mavs ball without Luca, but as kind of the Luca last night, um, that was really fun. Um, there was a great video of him busting up Paul George and then scoring over Kawhi, I think. And that was a, that was a hell of a shot. Oh, that's um, the best way to get into into the Mavs uh, faithful's heart, right there. Is to do something yeah. like that. 
Oh, it was beautiful. I mean, and, and you know, Luca's done a lot of amazing things, but Kyrie's just so different, but they're the same at the same time. I, I think this is fun. Um, if they do, if, if Kyrie really does invest into this marriage, I really think this could be, I think it could be perfect for the Mavericks. I do. I mean, Kyrie and LeBron had something very special. Like there, it may not have been the prettiest basketball. It, it might not have flown in San Antonio. Yeah, that's how, we're, State. that's how we're getting LeBron to Dallas. We got Kyrie. Yeah, you know, I, we'll to Zion's Lakers, coming. Think, yeah, Zion's I, coming, but for a different reason. I think the Lakers might have be been enough so. to stave off the LeBron flight risk for at least a little bit. But we'll, well get to that. Brawny, brawny yeah, years. Well, that's well, that's why I think it's hard to steal. I think you really have to understand how much the Lakers have to fuck up to get LeBron to leave. Like they're like they, like he <laughs> he's really trying to give them every chance. Um, you don't anyway. think you don't think he would just want one year where he could play with both Bronny and Luca and Kyrie? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying don't that that he wants to do everything in his power to retire a Laker, and I think that that means a lot more to him than to than necessarily chasing the ring. But if he had to do it, I know he would. I don't even think it's a chasing the ring that. thing. I think it's just like a get to play with the your son and. This kid who probably is the well, most obsessed with you anyone ever has been. If you're if you're playing with Luka Doncic in a few years, you better damn be competing for a title. Fair um, enough. But um, but either way, um, I don't know where we left off in all of that <laughs> with the uh, with uh, the Rondo comp. Rondo comp is my last note. Um, yeah. Well, the Rondo comp is fine. You can. What do you, you want to go off on anything like that? No, it was just my last note. Yeah, I mean, it, that's an easy one. I don't want to relitigate that because Miffles is going to get all, Rondo, he didn't play hard for us. He, he, he didn't want to be a Maverick. <laughs> Mavericks, Mavericks. And it's like, you know what? How about your coach is also a fucking prick? You know what? Every, it's well reported that Rick Carlisle's a prick. And it's well uh, he doesn't work with certain players very well. And Roger Rondo's a sort of prick. Two pricks get together. It doesn't work. It doesn't work out. It happens. And you got to walk no. out of it. it mm-hmm. Hey, please, please don't say that again. Hey, man. I like Powell, but like. Dwight Powell's got a lot of good views to the Mavericks. Like, you got you to gotta be honest with me. That's a, that's a net Listen, positive at this point. You're not wrong, but when it comes to playoffs times, he's just, he's, he's not, he's not on the floor and for a reason. Yeah, he's like, like I mentioned earlier, those guys that you just, you like and you should be well, okay with getting rid of them when something good comes along that's going to make the team better. And, and they've tried, man. They have tried to, to, to replace him with somebody. Theo's still here, right? Well, and Caesar did just give a good way to um, actually and to remind me of my eight man rotation stuff. But to segue to that, it's an interesting thought because I don't really know. I mean, Dwight Powell will probably be the starting center even if they went to the NBA Finals. But we know the reality is they're going to close with a healthy Maxi Kleba if they can. Um, the closing lineup for this team is still very interesting to me. Here's where my Mavs eight man is Luca, Kyrie. I reluctantly say Christian Wood. Then there's Josh Green, who's all the way at four in my book for the, how important he is to the roster at this point. Which is insane, considering where he was at the start of the season in terms of the... Yeah, he, well, honestly, Caesar, two weeks ago when I sat down to start this whole process, I had him as like seventh or eighth. And it was just like, oh, 
Oh, he's pretty good. Oh, they traded the guys that are more important than him. Oh, now he's really important. <laughs> Here we go. Um, and he's played, he's played well, so we're excited about that. Um, I really like him as a player and talent. I think the Mavs were smart to draft him when they did. Desmond Bain aside. Um, Dwight Powell, uh, obviously, we'll see what that was. I do think he'll still be a starter. Then there's the Tim Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock minutes that are just going to be fucking scrabble, you know, just mix it up, see what you got that night and deal with it. Um, and then Maxi Kleba is my eighth. Maxi would be much higher if we know how soon he's going to be back, what he's going to look like, all that other crap. The bench is where, I, is where I'm like, man, I think the Mavericks are going to have to try their hardest on the buyout market because this, this just ain't going to cut it. You're stuck with Bertans. It is what it is. Use them, don't use them. You're stuck with JaVale. Use them, don't use them. It is what it is at this point. Jaden Hardy is not going to get minutes. As much as he probably deserves minutes, he's not going to get minutes. I'm not even going to talk about it. If it changes over the next few weeks, we'll talk about it. Jason Kidd's an old head, and he ain't going to give him minutes. Dude, even even the local media around here is not hopeful of Jaden Hardy getting minutes because, like you I said, was... Jay Kidd. Not Kidd's an old head. Yeah, I was also going to mention Kidd really seeming to want Christian Wood off the bench. It's gonna, that's where it gets interesting is okay well, how, who's your five you know how do you want to roll with the five it's do you, does do you put Luca as the four and Kyrie as the one and then do some weird stuff there um it's an interesting conversation I don't think it matters a ton because ultimately you know that the closing lineup is Kyrie Luca probably Christian Wood whether he can handle it or not Maxi Kleba because good Lord knows that if you have Christian Wood out there you need the Maxi Kleba to hold up any sort of Defensive uh, front, and then probably Jolly Green, right? Yeah, at yeah that's point. that's you're probably riding the hot hand. Yeah. I, I just don't see a lot of defense from this team, and it worries me for a deep you playoff just, run. You need Maxi Kleber to be a healthy motherfucker soon. That's the way I'm looking at it. Is because him yeah. and Josh Green are going to have to be doing a lot of work. It, it's him, Green, and Bullock in terms of the only three that play defense consistently. And well, but they also significantly at least Kleba seems to significantly raise team defense, or at least it feels like it when he's out there. He's just highly switchable. Yeah, he's he's just a useful fuck. There's no way around it. Like Kleba is just he's got so much energy and, and size to match. And when he's able to knock down shots, he really should be a more valuable player. But injuries are always a thing with him too. Um yeah, honestly like Awful injuries, but just little nagging ones that'll take him away from times or, or affect him in the game. Uh, that's pretty much it on the Mavericks. Um, I I don't know that I predict them to win a title. Um, I think that they probably I think that they could. I don't know if they could. I think they could get back to the Western Conference Finals. I think that's doable with with a little bit of your turn my turn magic because those two guys are so special and the rest of the group is solid enough. I've uh, said it a lot, maybe not on our recordings or I don't know if they've made it to the these podcast forums. Um, but I love the Mavericks coaching staff. Jason Kidd aside, they've got a really smart defensive team. They seem to constantly take 
mediocre to bad defenders and make them decent in a team defense, which is basically all you can ask, especially in the NBA regular season. That gets a lot harder to execute in the playoffs. But I think that that's enough. I think this team has enough. That's why I just can't get negative on the Mavericks. Like, I know that everyone's like, well, there's not enough, and this team could be better, and they kind of capitalize on the windows. I'm like, I feel like I feel like this is the Mavericks are doing good. I think that they they're putting themselves in position for the summer to really strike on a deal that will undoubtedly put them in that upper echelon. Um, I think that it's it's all there, you know, especially like Christian Wood. Whatever. Who is who is that to add to Kyrie and Luca though? It's different. Well, and it it's, it depends on if it's Kyrie, right? You know, because it might there might be a version of this where you have to move on without Kyrie, and then utilize those assets and cap space to bring in the one or two other three other players, whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be three superstars. It could be one other superstar and two really high level players or whatever. Um, which is a more realistic team building model, I think. Uh, with the Suns be damned, Suns have definitely gotten back to a super team adjacent. Um, yeah, but uh, CP3 just it's only because CP3 is so much older, and that DeAndre Ayton is just such a head case of whether he's good or bad on a given any given night uh, that, that we're not just like, oh, this is like a slam dunk super team because it's no, pretty I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to play him. And Book and KD both have uh, lingering issues, so that that's those are two things where there's just a few things there. Um, but anyway, I, I'm I'm positive on the Mavericks. I'm excited too, man. This is the most fun to get to watch the Mavericks in a while. Like, not just because I love Kyrie, but like maybe ever. <laughs> tempo, yeah. bro. They've tempo. never they've never had two of these guys. Yeah, true, this is the true. biggest trade they've ever made. Like, just for a player. Nash Nash wasn't Nash yet when he was on the Mavs. He was really good, but he wasn't Nash yet. Yeah, well, like if, if you look. Yeah, I was gonna say if you just look through the entire history of the Mavs, like just trading for players, right? KP and Lamar Odom are probably the two biggest names they ever traded for that I can remember. Because uh, when I was younger, like in the in those early 2000s runs, I was not cognizant of like who was great and who wasn't. So like you could say the Antoine Walker. Uh, I don't know if he was traded for or if he was signed in free agency. But that and could also be a lot of the Dirt Mavs stuff pre the 2011 team and everything that led up to that team was a lot of just throwing shit at the wall and see if it would stick. And they would just keep remixing the rosters every year. Every year. There was no continuity with the Mavericks until they started the journey to build the 11 team. I went back and looked a couple of years back, and I was just, I was laughing at it. I was just like, this is so funny to think about what the Mavericks were. Just every year, it was like kid, or um, kid. Um, it was like uh, Cuban couldn't help himself, you know? The whole the front office couldn't help them. So they're like, all right, well, we got to tinker again. We got to tinker again. We can't just let it grow. We got to tinker again. And they would make pretty radical trades, not just my love grades. Like, you know, Antoine Jameson, Antoine Walker, Jerry Stackhouse, um, Jason Terry, obviously. That one worked out in the long run. Um, just all these different things, right? And actually, I think Jet was a little bit, I don't know if Jet was that big a deal when they actually made that move. And he just ended up panning out over the years. Yeah, I think that's how that went because he was what, with the Hawks at first, and he was like he was a nice player, but yeah, yeah. not you know. Oh, but uh, oh, he didn't. I, I'm looking at uh, Antoine Walker's uh, wiki page. He got traded for Jet. So yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, but either way, 
Um, yeah, but yeah, Kyrie Irving, biggest biggest get that I can remember in, in Dallas Mavericks history in, in the trade. Yeah, market. without a doubt. And I honestly, and like I said, I'm just excited to watch the Mavs play with tempo. Kyrie loves to run. <laughs> There's some decent players. Josh Green deserves to get to run. Um, Luke is so, going to have to cut back to like half pack a day. No, nah, it's all right. Luke is just going to have to chill. Like Luke is just going to be cherry picking while uh, Kyrie's throwing that ball down court, uh, getting something started for the for the guys who do like to run, Powell and uh, Green. Um, but all right, that's enough on the Mavericks, I think. I don't really think there's too many other angles to hit with that one. Um, it, we will monitor the situation as it goes. There will be plenty more Mavericks talk to be had. Um, the next. Uh, wait, wait, wait. One second. Technical issues ensued and were later rectified. So we're ready to jump back? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're rolling. One, two, three. And the Los Angeles, no, all right. So um, the team that ESPN can't help but talk enough about actually did make a, quite a few moves, three in total, um, all to get the LeBron James-Anthony Davis duo to save a little more face after basically two years, I would say, of pretty bad basketball. Like, I would say pretty unconsequential basketball overall. They've been They've made some bad decisions, yada, yada, yada. Essentially, the Lakers were able to hit restart on their whole Anthony Davis-LeBron James project in one day. And not, not in the way of the 2018 Cavs, which I think is easy to compare, where, uh, of course, LeBron hit the game winner against Minnesota and then basically told everybody to get the hell out of the locker room and arrive at whatever destination you, we tell you to, including my best friend, Dwayne Wade which is always going to be the funniest part of that. Um, let's see. So let's just rattle them off. There's three in total. The big one, they sent Russell Westbrook's expiring $47 million, Juan Toscano-Anderson and Damian Jones, with a 2027 first-round pick that is protected. It's a lot of language uh, that they had on there, so it's top four protected. And if it's if the, if the Lakers do happen to be a top four team uh, because they're that bad and they win the lottery, then that pick becomes second round picks, I think. So we have a little first round protection on that one. Um, then Minnesota gets Mike Conley, a 24, 25, and 26 second round pick. And the Los Angeles Lakers get D'Angelo Russell, who they drafted number two overall in 2016, I think. Um, Malik Beasley, who is probably most famously known for his off-the-court shenanigans as much as his ability to catch fire um, on the basketball court. And then Jared Vanderbilt, who's actually probably one of my probably my favorite part of this trade for the Lakers. He's not like a superstar by any means, but um, a really good defensive uh, forward should be able to play small ball five, um, which is really fun for the modern NBA. You got to have your big lanky six nine guy. Um, those really pay dividends now. So useful player there. Um, the Lakers then sent Thomas Bryant, their backup center, which. They didn't need as much anymore with Jared Vanderbilt um, to the Denver Nuggets, who are a very important team to this whole title race. And we'll mention that in a little bit more in just a second for their guard, for their reserve guard, Davon Reed, and uh, three second round picks. 
So they basically just restocked that never-ending cupboard of second-round picks that helps the Lakers get every marginal trade that they can pull out of their ass. Um, one of those second-round picks, I'm not sure if it's exactly those picks, but a second-round pick, and Pat Beverly were sent to the Orlando Magic for Mo I Got Ho's Bomba. And just like that, the Lakers are basically 9% a new French, a new basketball team starting Saturday, probably. That is an insane amount of turnover on that roster. <laughs> so I don't think it actually matches the 2018 Cavs. I think that one still is the most. But it was close. Uh, LeBron meant that it was time for change. Uh, we all saw, like we talked about earlier, we saw the performance of the last game. It felt like a team that was about to make a lot of trades. Um, their eight guys now goes to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimara, Dennis Schroeder, Austin Reeves, um, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. And with an option of using Lonnie Walker, who's had his best three-point shooting season. Troy Brown was a decent three-point shoot, three shooter, but not really a defender. And Mo, I got Hose Bamba, who could honestly crack a starting lineup, depending on how well he plays. And if they want to use him and build a future around him. Honestly, wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of took a cheap flyer on him. All things considered, though, if I'm being real, um, that one might just not. I still am. I'm still very suspect of uh, Mo Bamba and his NBA uh, proclivity. I don't know that he's. I don't know that he's an NBA rotation player. I, I I think that he is. I think he's kind of got the talent. I just don't know that he's got the willpower to do it all the time at the level he needs to. Um, but great opportunity. Uh, no, I do not believe the Los Angeles Lakers are in contention for the title after this necessarily. Anything could happen this season, but this just feels like them getting back on the right page. Um, we talked about it a lot. Can you break Russell Westbrook up into a bunch of players? Can you go from a roster who had maybe five usable NBA players to having at least eight? And you did. Now you have at least maybe 10, maybe 11 guys that you think you can actually play in the playoffs. That's the start. You still got to get to the playoffs. You're still a 13th seed. But this is a start. Now, let's let's forget about the basketball part of this for like two seconds. Alright? On this team is still, uh, still Scottie Pippen Jr., right? I'm glad that you brought up this point because this is an interesting aspect. I don't think... It, I think we probably don't we, we make more of a deal of this than I think the players ever would, but continue. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think you know where I'm going with this. Oh yeah. Listen, his his biological mother, his mom, his ex-boyfriend is now his teammate, Malik Beasley. I'm just I'm just saying, like I I want to know how those things go in the locker room because it's like, hey buddy, that that guy had a real chance at being your stepdad. And now he's your teammate, like dude. Do they just? Do they even address that? Have they already addressed it in the past? Well, LeBron's had to deal on... with that, so I think that yeah, it's yeah. fair. Yeah, just have a conversation <laughs> about about that. Um, honestly, I think that that one's just a fun thing for us to laugh at more than anything. I mean, let's be honest. If we, I, we mean, I, I, I laughed at it last night. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> We talked about this when this kid started going to the NBA. Really, man, you're going to have to get tough skin because that shit is going to be talked about. 
imagine if this man had to play against Kevin Garnett. Oh my god. That would be that would be savage. Do not forget if you ever, 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 ever need to understand how just unhinged Kevin Garnett is, type in the Kevin Garnett uh Lala Anthony story. I Carmelo was a better man than me for not fighting him on the court. But anyway. <laughs> There's a lot of wild stuff there. Uh, we'll we'll digress a little bit, but uh, yes, I think Malik Beasley will be all right. Uh, Scott Pippen Jr. is uh, part of the G League team anyway, and I don't think that he's got a chance to really even make much of the roster. They're uh, more concerned with Max Christie, Doug Christie's son, who actually is kind of cracking the rotation, looks like a solid guard, probably doesn't mean shit this year, but... Another one of those, did the Lakers just get another undrafted free agent that's going to work out? God damn it, how do they keep doing this? Actually, I think he might have been a second-round pick, but either way. Um, so, yeah, I think the Lakers are solid. I think they're back on track. They have options in the summer still. These contracts aren't necessarily the most binding. They can also re-sign these guys to more reasonable deals and add somebody. Um, so, I think the future is back on track with the Lakers. I don't know what that means how long they'll be able to compete if we'll ever see LeBron James play in the playoffs again. I, I don't know. I assume that this year he'll be back. You know, I think this team's good enough, even if it's just a BS seventh seed. Um, and then next year, maybe they can contend for, you know, he at least gets a shot at five before he hangs it all up whenever that decision's made. Um, but moving to across the hall to the team that is in its second to last season, sharing a, Building with the Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, who are the fourth team that we'll actually preview before we just get into the quick rundowns and move along um, with the night. Uh, the Los Angeles Clippers made some pretty, I would say, marginal moves that I would find very interesting. And they had a couple of ways they could have gone um, and some funny antidotes about what didn't happen. I sent one of you, one of them to you guys earlier in a group chat. Um, but let me rattle off the list first. So they traded for Bones Highland. This is Denver's backup guard who honestly kind of looked like a six-man-of-the-year candidate for a little bit before just falling out of the rotation in Denver. A lot of that's because Mike Malone's a hard-ass, and that team has a lot of bad defenders, and it can't really afford to have any of the role players not be good defenders. So Bones Highland, great score, not a great defender. It was really just that simple. Um, they just they shipped him out for two seconds and called it a day. I respect that. Um, you know, we I didn't talk about him much uh, with the Lakers, but they got Thomas Bryant from the Lakers, who has been a really good stretch backup five. Uh, dude could actually shoot, so it'll be kind of fun to play next to Joker, uh, Jokic. Um, and uh, I'm excited about that little pickup. I, I think that they did a nice little marginal thing. A lot of it's just health for them. And consistency. Um, so Denver ends up having a little bit of an addition by subtraction. Uh, the Clippers get a player. I'm not sure. He helps now. But, I mean, it might be a situation where he's essentially just not playing in the playoffs. And then you made this move for nothing, really. Um, so it's interesting. Maybe it's more of a look in the future for the Clippers than it is look at the right now. Um, because he's a talented player. I like Bones Highland a lot. He's a really fun personality. Um, but he's just like every other scoring guard who doesn't play a lick of defense in the NBA. And and these guys either come to the realization that they're a dime a dozen 
and they end up like Jordan Clarkson where they end up finding a really good route and they carve into it and they make a lane and they stay there and they do really well there. Or they end up having delusions of grandeur and are always wondering why no one will give them the right opportunity. Um, the next one, um, actually, I'll go to the next marginal one first, and then we'll get into the big one that finally happened. Uh, Los Angeles uh, traded for uh, Mason Plumley to add a little backup big. They got rid of Reggie Jackson, who had, was about to fall out of rotation anyway, and um, gave up a 28 second round pick as well in that deal. Mason Plumley just adds a little bit to Zubach. I think Zubach is a really talented big for what a big man like him can do. You know, Zubach is a guy who would have thrived in the 2000s um, and is usable now, but isn't nearly as dominant as a player like that would ever have been decades ago. Um, I had no idea Mason Plumley was still playing, but I'm seeing now that he was traded from Charlotte, so that would probably explain it. Yep. Yeah. And honestly, been good. I mean, still can't shoot. Yeah, free he probably throws. has. Yeah. I just, yeah. yeah. That's like a vacuum. I, I don't pay attention to what's happening over there. He was one of my bigger prizes of the, like, I really, really wonder why the the Celtics didn't make a Mason Plumley deal. Um, especially knowing that they struck out on Jakob Bodel. So, um, that's an interesting one for me. Uh, we'll see. Even I, honestly, I thought Denver should have looked at bringing Mason Plumley back. Uh, he had played there before, so it was what it is. The Clippers made the right decision. They used a player they weren't going to keep in rotation and a measly second round pick to add somebody who probably plays for them in the playoffs, even if it's just sparingly only in the first round or two. If they make it further, um, he probably gets phased out. If I'm being honest, um, but he's a body there. Um, but finally, their biggest trade, and one that we've been trying to figure out if it was ever going to happen. I think for three years, this man's been on the trade block. Uh, the Clippers reunite with Eric Gordon, um, who originally was drafted to... Yes, who was originally drafted to the Clippers, then traded in the Chris Paul deal to bring Chris to the Clippers. Um, they uh, also got three second-round picks, I do believe. Uh, I might need to double-check on that one. Uh, that seemed weird, but... Who cares? Second picks are going everywhere. It's not that surprising. Um, the Houston Rockets take on John Wall and Danny Green, who are both basically useless dead money to them, that they're both probably going to be cut and buy out people. Actually, we'll think John Wall's already been cut as of this recording. Um, uh, three second round picks with Eric Gordon. Okay, so that was true. All right. Thought, thought of it that long. It was just, it's a good deal. I mean, you get a useful player and you get three seconds. Um, and they gave up Luke Kennard had sort of fallen out of their rotation as well. I think he's shooting like 45% from three. So he's not a bad three-point shooter. He's just kind of a kind of a bland guy. Like some guys just play basketball and they're good at it, but they're bland. And when you're bland, you don't fit into teams very well. And, and you're just kind of always poking them with a stick and being like, do something, do something. <laughs> I think for the Grizzlies, it'll work. It's, or at least it's a good enough flyer. Um, but I, I think the Clippers were very smart for moving that money and bringing in Eric Gordon because Eric Gordon, regardless of what anyone would say, I mean, Eric Gordon was almost one of the most reliable parts of that Houston Rockets, uh, James Harden team for most of that run. Uh, so I'm excited to see him playing real basketball again. Uh, most important part of that, I think that that sort of takes them out of the Russell Westbrook conversation. 
Maybe I'm wrong. Depends on how much he might want to be there if he truly wants to be there from what people say that he wants to be there for whatever reason. I think he's... I think it only makes sense because, I mean, might as well, right? Your hometown, you've already been there for the last two years anyway. Yeah. Seems easy you're, enough. You're best buddy if, PG. If you're not worried about whatever they want to pay you. I mean, yeah. I, oh, I don't think Russ is going to be able to demand much. If he's going to get... If he's going to get nothing, it'll just be incentive laden. If it's well, my guess is it'll probably be a little bit more. Um, it'll be like the veteran mid level exception or something. Basically, a flyer deal, prove it to us, and then we'll give you something better. But this is a good opportunity for him to do that now and then get something more structured and stable for the future of his career. This man's been traded five times in five seasons. <laughs> he's had the worst contract in basketball for five years and has been managed to be traded five times during that span that's incredible bro I don't care what anybody says um, just like his weird triple double stat where it's like yeah that's a cool trick I guess but um, I still I still don't want the guy playing for my team yeah and I'm, there's a whole referendum that I could do on on Russ. I love Russ. I would love to see him play a little, you know, have a I think he's very there. fun to watch play basketball, but I yeah. don't want him on my team. And that's what the Clippers fans are for sure right now cuz they're worried about it, but I mean, I don't know. I it, it makes sense for them to pick him up. I think the Heat are the best opportunity for him and it's where I personally would like for him to go. Um but yeah, so that's the big four teams that I think uh came out of this trade deadline radically different than they started it um that was kind of where i wanted to lead us so we already mentioned milwaukee getting jay crowder um boston has decided since they couldn't get yakum pole and just didn't go for mason Plumley for whatever reason um they went for mike muscala out of oklahoma city so not a guy who's going to help protect their rim but a guy who stretches the floor so it looks like boston's reinvesting in small ball and they might just be trying to out Golden State, Golden State, if uh, the Warriors are to get there. Um, they are the only team that shoots as much as the Warriors these days, and they just basically doubled down on it, saying, hey, if we don't have Robert Williams playing for us, we're going to put Mike Muscala out there, and he's a laser, and all he's going to do is just sit there and eat after all those Jalen uh, uh, Brown and Jason Tatum drives. Useful little thing, and they didn't give up a ton for him. Justin Jackson, two uh, second-round picks. Um, so we will see how that one goes. Um, the New York Knicks got Josh Hart, um, player I really like, a move I really like. They gave up Cam Reddish. We knew that trade was going to happen. They also gave up two players that haven't been playing in their rotation at all. And then a protected first-round pick that, from what I saw on Twitter, is basically funny business. Um, Golden State did the weirdest move of the deadline, I think, or the most optically displeasing one. Both, both can be true. Yeah, so they they dumped James Wiseman, saved a shit ton of money on their their luxury tax in doing so. Probably the right move, if we're being honest. I know that's not necessarily how you want to move on from a, from a pick like that, from a number two overall pick, but it is what it is. Uh, Detroit is going to take on James Wiseman and hopefully fucking play him soon. Even though I like Jalen Duran, their 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 young center. Um, at least I will get to see why he's going to play some damn NBA minutes. Atlanta's going to get um, Sadiq Bay. I think that's an interesting one because uh, they're basically just trying to load up on all that shooting as well. Um, they didn't trade John Collins at the deadline. They only basically just added more 
for them to figure out with their rotation that's kind of deep, not like deep, deep, great deep, but like a lot of useful guys. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Atlanta ends up at the end of the season and then maybe as prime to make a move to really jump themselves into contention next year by being much closer than they've been. Again, that's more about how Trey Young decides to play team basketball or not. Uh, the Blazers get five second-round picks in Kevin Knox. And Golden State is reunited with Gary Payton Jr., two, whichever. So, yeah, they basically traded James Wiseman to get Gary Payton back, who they could have just re-signed this offseason. I mean, it's a useful piece, especially while Steph is hurt, which, by the way, Steph is hurt. I don't think we were that, – that happened while we've been in the right. week. On. Luca's hurt, too. Yeah, Luke less, less hurt. Luke was hurt by the teammates he had to play with. He was like, yeah, can you, I'm going to rest for a week or two. Can you all do something about this? And I'll come back. Thank God someone drew a mural when we got Kyrie down here. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, so, that one said, well, whatever. I mean, Payton's going to be useful to the Warriors. I think they're going to be able to hold on enough for Steph to come back and give it a run, but as deep as it feels everybody's gotten, the Warriors definitely feel like they've gotten farther away from repeating than every day, basically, since the season started with that Draymond Green punch to Jordan Poole. <sighs> hate to see it. Just sucks so much. It's too bad. Probably just forced them to retool into something better next year when they've, they're faced with reality. That's the hard part of the sports franchises is... is you know, you win a title and everyone's the cockiest asshole in the world automatically. And it becomes just twice as hard to repeat. That's what makes stuff like the Patriots and the Spurs and the Red Wings so crazy. Just the longevity of consistency. The structure. The, the Braves could have been in there, but they just couldn't win a freaking title. So, um, Okay, and then we're going to knock out your Spurs real quick. with their, They had a couple of value deals. So the Spurs got a 24 First out of uh, the Raptors for Potal, and then two seconds. And then they got four seconds and Devontae Graham, who's on a pretty good contract for the next few years. So they could probably flip him again at some point um, for Josh Richardson. Uh, Kim Birch is also involved in the Jakob Potal deal, but they cut him already, I believe. So, yeah. And you guys got a second-round pick for taking Dwayne Dedman. I think I forgot to put that on this. I did. We also gave up a twenty twenty four top fifty five protected second round pick. That's a for, pick. for Noah Is it Bonley? Yeah. And and my favorite player, Cash. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't cash considerations, it's cash. Yeah, yeah. The the Noah Bonley. You know who deal needs cash? Earlier. The team that's $15 million short of the salary floor. <laughs> it's a great system. I bet those players are pumped. You know, That is the happiest 12th man in the league right now. Whoever Facts. that is. I don't, even know. Oh, yeah. I don't even know who it is actually right now. Split that extra money for sure. It might no, be Noah Monley. No, I don't, I, don't think they, I don't think they kept him, but I don't know. Um, either way, so the Spurs just made a few of those little moves. I think the Raptors got a decent player. The Raptors made no trades other, other than this one. Um, yeah. So none of the players. So they're basically like, yeah, just give us a center and we'll be fine. And I kind of believe them. I do kind of believe that they'll be fine, level out, maybe even get back into the play and stuff. Um, that's all that goes there. The Pelicans got Josh Richardson, which confused me a little bit. I mean, it helps their defense, which they definitely should have should be caring about. 
but it also sort of takes time away from a lot of their really good young players that I thought that maybe they would package together and try to bring in for another rotational piece. Um, but I think New Orleans is smart. I think they know that they're still a year away, um, even from maybe even playoff contention. Like this may end up being a season where they don't even make the play in or they, they don't get past the play in. So I'm interested to see the Pelicans next year more. Um, and it looks like they're just going to keep giving the young guys run and seeing what they can pull out of this season and then making decisions next season. The final trade, the final trade to wrap us up. One that I actually think is probably my sleeper trade. Philadelphia gets Jalen McDaniels in two seconds. Portland gets Matisse Thibel and triples down on the fact that they're just going to put every defensive wing they can find next to Dame Lillard and hope it works. And Charlotte got Svi Makaluk and two second-round picks. I don't know if Svi's even going to stay on that team. He's barely been a rotation player for the last few years anyway. So that's pretty much the trade deadline. I like that move for Philadelphia before I move on, mostly just because I think that adds a real body to them. They thought that um, Daniel House or, um, you know, there was some other moves. I forget which ones. There's some marginal rotational players that they brought in, thinking that that would really be a spark, and it just hasn't been that great. Jalen McDaniels is still a really talented young player, um, and I think that probably fits into that team a little bit easier. The ability to shoot with the ability to defend, lanky, athletic kid, just makes that team a little bit more potent, especially giving up Matisse Thibel. Um, defensively, it just feels like that's the right move to make, and they got him for really cheap. So um, that's that was one of my sneaky moves where I was like, yeah, fair enough. Philly, like, you got rid of Thibel. You knew you weren't going to keep him. Uh, Portland, I don't know what the hell you're doing, but I never do, so just keep on Portlanding. And then... Uh, and... Uh, you're just letting Dame be the franchise and just not worrying about winning. Yeah, I mean, I just they're not bad enough. Like they're not Which, bad enough, but they're not. It doesn't seem like they're really actively doing anything to compete for a title. This year, no. This year, they're not. But it seems like they're they're moving towards a future where they think they can build a really defensive group and then just have enough offense with Dame and Anthony Simons and whoever else to make it work. And it's a bold choice, but I mean, it's clear. I mean, that you definitely, yeah, you, you definitely know more than I do, but from, from the way I see it, it's just like Dame's just literally wasting away like Kevin Garnett on the Timberwolves. Yeah. It depends on how you look at it too. I mean, every franchise has to build something sustainable into the future and, Dame has looked at this as the opportunity to help the franchise forever, and he doesn't want to move on, which is fair. And, and you know, if they do it right, who's to say that they don't still somehow manage to yeah, squeeze he could, title? he could easily get, like, a Dirk title for sure. Like, I mean, that's all he wants, right? Like, he just wants to, he just wants to be guard Dirk. So, like, maybe it'll happen. I think that's a foolish thing to I've said that every time anyone's ever thought about trying to replicate the Dirk title. I think the Raptors kind of did it, but they kind of happened to do that in a weird way that was more transactional than it was. They didn't already have the superstar. They acquired right. the superstar. It's kind of a they have the rest of it already there. Um but it wasn't similar it usually team. work for anybody. Yeah, and and they and they and not to be a hater on it, they they just got a little luckier um, in that run 
where the Mavericks got lucky, luckier than their fans will ever admit, but hey, certainly the Giants, the Giants won two Super Bowls, man. All right. Eli <laughs> yeah. got two. It's I guess luck is a big part of being being the title. Well, well like I said, it, it's it, there was there was some interesting points to that Dirk title that are hard to replicate because they had nothing to oh, do with yeah. the Mavericks. And it's at the time, that team was, all of it. That team is also just whole hard to build, hard to repeat and build the way that they built it. They got so lucky. Like, they got basically that was the time when the league was still really stupid and players like Sean Marion and Tyson Chandler could just get thrown in the trash for no reason. So, good luck having that happen these days. But you're not finding a new JJ Berea, Roderick <laughs> Bobois. Was he on that team? He, he was, wasn't, wasn't team. useful. He wasn't, he didn't play for the Yogi Ferrell. No, he was Pro would be years later, sir. Yes. <laughs> but uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I'll give you guys a little little rundown of the buyout guys, um, who I think are potential buyout guys. Pat Bev, Russell Westbrook, Reggie Jackson, uh, who already apparently is a son, a Phoenix son, um, according to reporting. Uh, Derek Rose, Bryn Forbes, Goran Dragic, who has not been cut or may not be cut at all, but I saw him on a list and I added him just because it made some sense. Um, but the Bulls didn't make any moves, so then it probably doesn't because it, just, unless they have a free agent they want to sign. Uh, John Wall, George Hill, Corey Joseph, and RJ Hampton are all interesting options. Uh, yeah, that no, Corey be, Joseph. Yeah, like it's a buyout market. You don't get you don't get superstars in the buyout market. Um, Danny Green, Terrence Ross, Will Barton. Um, I think those are all in, those are interesting wings, and then the big guys. You have Ibaka, possibly Kaminsky. Uh, I don't know if he'll fit into the rotation in Houston or not. Uh, Ken Birch, Dwayne Dedman, uh, maybe Kevin Love. I think it's harder to see Kevin Love getting bought out, and if he does, it feels like he would just go to fucking play for the Lakers, like or, or the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. One, like he's it's one of those two teams. He's from Portland. He played for UCLA and loves. The you know the LA lifestyle like I'm if I was to bet Kevin Love's probably picking one of those two destinations. Dude, that's a beefy. If you if you just ever run LeBron, AD, and Kevin Love at the same time, it's just yeah. To be fair, Kevin Love is maybe a ten to fifteen minute a night player now. Oh yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking of the amount of body that the NBA doesn't always have on the floor nowadays. Yeah. Uh, Nylon's Noel, Rashawn Holmes. I think those two are the guys that most Mavs fans are probably interested in. Um, I Hilarious. think if I had to pick that, it would be Nylon's Noel. I think Rashawn Holmes is not a very useful commodity. He's more or less a slower version of Montrez Harrell for me. Um, but, you know, he's not being used in Sacramento, so it's possible he gets bought out and is useful for a team that desperately needs a big man like the Mavs. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the trade deadline in a very long nutshell. The longest nutshell of all time. All right. Boom. Um, Anyone have any? Everyone. Wait, what? Do you have anything to add, Caesar? No, I'm, nothing to add here. Thank you for listening to part one of Pass the Rock. Be sure to listen to part two, where Caesar helps us preview Chiefs versus Eagles. This is past the rest. Thank you.